All right, I want you to turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. I definitely intend on doing much more teaching today than, than preaching. And uh, don't, don't have, I have a lot to say, but don't have a, it ain't going to take me a long time to say it. I guess I'll put it that way. Shouldn't take me too long to say it. But, but, but you know, ain't no need of me letting you out early since you fast and you don't have to beat the Baptist to Golden Corral. So, uh, so if the Holy Spirit hit me and I get to moving, you all right. You, you, you ain't going nowhere. All right, Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20 through 22. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for good work. And then verse 22, we'll pick up on at the end. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Can you say amen for the reading of the word? We, we, this is our third week of a six-week series that's titled Making Room for More. And it comes from the, the base passages, Isaiah 54, where the Lord told the nation of Israel, because they were basically outnumbered by those who um, were idol worshipers, he said, I need you to enlarge yourself, to, to stretch out to tent, your tent pegs and stretch out your habitations and lengthen your cords. And, and make people or bring people or incorporate people in places where there is none, in desolate places where the Lord could be honored and glorified and, and exalted. And so the whole idea of the, of the series is to speak to us on a personal level, which I've engaged in the first two weeks and will do so today, and then also on the corporate level, what that means for us as a church uh, expanding and and growing and being a people that's having an impact in our city and in our community. And so that first week I talked about prayer and fasting. We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, which I believe ends on, I think the 21st day is Saturday. Uh, we, we believe in prayer because that's what connects us to God. We believe in fasting because that's what disconnects us from the world. A combination of prayer and fasting, the scripture teaches us, really encourages and inspires our faith. Faith that helps us overcome Satan and the world and, and the flesh, uh, help us to overcome those things in, in our life. And so 21 days we've been in fasting, that first message was dealing with that last week. We talked about the word of God and the power of the spirit working with the word and the sword of the spirit. This week I want to address just the capacity of us as being Vessels. When I talk about us being vessels, I mean our bodies. We, within our bodies, we are the carriers of God's word and we are the bearers of God's spirit. And it's, it's within us that God works that we may, that he may expand us to be people who glorify him in service and serving him and in serving others. And I want to talk about that from that very passage where Paul tells Timothy that in a great house, and some translations may even say um, uh, an expensive house or a large house of something of that nature, Paul tells Timothy that in that house, you're going to find gold and you're going to find silver and you're going to find wood and you're going to find clay. And people use vessels in that house for various things. 
He says some of those things are used for honorable use. And some of those same things might be used for dishonorable use. But, the, but what he says to us is that we want to be people who cleanse ourselves and establish our condition in Christ based on our position in Christ where we may serve the Lord out of a pure heart and be in a position that at all times, whatever God wants to use us for, whatever service he has given us, whatever we've discovered that our purpose is, how God wants to help us engage in making a difference, that we're in a position to do that for, for many for many years actually and, and I, I don't know how many sermons in which this verse might have come up uh, I discovered this week that I, I, I probably misapplied a meaning to it in a bit and what I would used to say is that there was, uh, now I don't know, this might be in every home, but I certainly do know, primarily in the homes of, of an African-American culture, we have those dishes that are in the cabinet that we just use, just friends when friends come over or families eating, and you know, that's the common dishes. We just go to those common dishes. But almost every um, African-American female and a Mexican, uh, has, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> shoot, shoot. I had this all planned out. Now I lost it. All right. So <laughs> they have, <laughs> they have this, they have this place where when someone that is just like you are just absolutely honored and just overwhelmed and it it could be at times when it's you know a great family gathering for thanksgiving or something they have this place where they got the the real china right the real stuff everything else you can look under and it says you know made wherever thailand and blah 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 but then you got some real china and i used to maybe white people too i don't know but i used to i used to say that that's what Paul was talking about. That there was, there was some of us that are like the real China, and then there's some of us that are just like the everyday stuff. If you break it, it don't matter. It was this week that I discovered that the, that the meaning of that that I had been implying was wrong. He was, Paul was telling Timothy he was not distinguishing the different types of vessels. He was distinguishing simply the use of the vessel. So in, in other words, what, 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 what Paul was, was, was basically saying is, you can take that vessel that you, would, that you would use on an everyday use. Matter of fact, you can even set it down for the scraps for the dog. You could take that same vessel and try to use it for the more dignified things. Or we can say it the other way around. If you took the stuff that was the more dignified and then for some reason decided to lay it on the ground for the dog to use, Paul is saying you have devalued the value of what that vessel is actually designed to be used for. Did, y'all, did that make sense? It's devaluing the use of it. And so what Paul says to us is that we can, we can be people who are just used haphazardly, without much thought, 
um, used in a manner or pursue God in a manner to where, you know, if, 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 if we get it all right, if we obey him, if we do the things he's calling us to do, hey, man, that's, that's good. I'm better than I was before. Or Paul says, you can position yourself to where at all times and all seasons, God wants to use you for the manner that he designed you for. Am I talking to the right church? Now, I want you to understand this. He's not distinguishing between Christians and non-Christians because all of those utensils are in the house. Somebody say, I'm glad I'm in the house. All of them are in the house. And so he's not distinguishing between Christians and non-Christians. He's actually just encouraging us for the capacity and the allowability for us to be used by God for the purposes that he intended. This is one of the things that you'll also learn and grow is how to discover your purpose, what your gifts are, what your talents are, what God wants to use you for and how you can make a difference. It's that that Paul is talking about. But he uses a word here that honestly is a word we hear all the time, but it can have some different effects on us. He uses this word, holy. And if, if I can say this, the word holy for a lot of us can be intimidating. And for other of us, it can almost be cause us to grimace. Depends on how it's used. It's not an uncommon word. As a matter of fact, we use it in church all the time. Holy God, holy Bible, holy spirit, holy man. And, and when, it's a, when it's applied to us though, sometimes it can make us a little bit uncomfortable because we want to have a tendency to say, man, I, I'm, I'm not that holy. I'm, I'm not that holy. And then on the other side of the coin, what makes some of us grimace depends on how you was raised. Sometimes you hear the word holy or, or holiness and you envision ladies with their hair up in buns, long dresses, no jewelry, no makeup, you may think of sermons where you're told you, you know, you can't go to the movie, you can't dance, all the things that you can't do. And I, I'm, I'm not saying whether you can or you can't, that ain't my point. But that's usually what's defined as holiness. How you, how you dress, how you look, and what you do or what you don't do. Now, before I leave some of y'all in the wrong position, I do believe how you dress should represent Christianity and professionalism, especially in the house of the Lord. It certainly should. But that's not what defines you as being holy. I do think there's some movies Christians shouldn't go to, but that's not what defines you as being holy. And some of y'all need makeup and jewelry, but that ain't what defines you (laughs) as holy. I'm just saying, or not holy. I'm going to stick with my notes. What what I'm saying is (laughs) that that when we're taught holiness, sometimes there's things on the list that are not necessarily biblical. And and this is what holy means. This particular word means purity. It means clean life, clean living. It means being in a position to be acceptable to God, blameless and flawlessly obedient. And, and if you think about that, for many of us, we, man, we can't lie. We say, man, that just don't seem to be me. And then what happens is if we feel like it's, it's an unattainable perfection, then we don't even put that as, as a part of the process of our growth and the purpose for living. And then we, 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 we actually 
disdain people almost who almost come off as quote unquote holier than thou. And, and that's honestly just from bad doctrine. Just bad doctrine just got you jacked up because holy just means being separated from sin, which causes you to be morally blameless. Separated from sin, which causes us to be morally blameless and consecrated to God. Holiness is simply conducting ourselves as one that has been separated by God. Now listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. It says, since you have heard about Jesus, listen to this, and I hope this speaks to every one of you. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. If that be a fact that you've you've heard about Jesus and you've learned about Jesus and the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted, corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God truly righteous and holy. So what what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, because you heard about Jesus and because you want to practice the truth of Jesus, then the response for us in that manner is to put off those things that are old nature, sinful nature, the old way of life, and instead put on that new nature that allows us, which is actually created to be like Christ, and I'll talk about that, which allows us to live out righteousness and holiness. And so the first point out of that that I want to make is simply this. Holiness is for you. Holiness is for you. It's not just a matter of position, but in condition. It's not something that's optional. It's it's the call for Christians. That's what the Lord is calling us to be. The position we're in as a Christian is mean that we have been set apart by God. The moment that I give my life to Jesus Christ, the very moment I accept him as Lord and Savior, and I receive his love, and I receive the forgiveness of my sins, that very moment I've been set apart by God. I now belong to him. I'm in a new kingdom. I've been taken out of the realm of darkness and the realm realm of doom and destruction and, and destined to hell. I've been taken out of that realm and I've been put into the kingdom of light. That's not something I did. I can't transfer myself from darkness to light. But when I give my life to Christ, the spirit of God baptizes me into the body of Christ. I'm moved from darkness to light. Now I'm set apart by God, set apart by him. I've been washed, I've been justified, I've been cleansed. That's our position. And that can never change. Listen to me, church. That can never change. Once you have been set apart and sanctified by God, God will never unset you apart and unsanctify you. Your position is where it is. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter one says, not only does he put me in a a, a better position here where I live my life here, but the scripture says spiritually, I'm placed before the Lord in heavenly places. That cannot be undone. Am I talking to the right church? But since that's position, now we got to get on with the condition. And this is what he says in Ephesians 1, 4. Even before he made the world, Watch this. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. In his eyes. 
So in other words, when the Lord looks at us based on the work that he has done through the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by recognizing the great grace that comes from the cross, having all my sins forgiven, the scripture says now he's working in us conditionally so that he would present us without fault in his eyes. Now, here's the here's second thing, and, and that is this. We get help to be holy. We get help to be holy. I, I want you to understand, you can never earn your salvation, can never merit it. You can never, you can never become so personally holy that God looks down on you and said, man, you are about next to my son, Jesus Christ. I got to crown you the most holy of them all. It'll never happen. You can't earn it. Matter of fact, the scripture says in Isaiah 64, six, that our deeds are like filthy rags. That's all we can offer unto God. We're stained and we're polluted and there's imperfection. And then at the same time, the scripture teaches us that he requires us to be in this place of righteousness, to be in this place of holiness. That's the requirement, to have a relationship with the holy God. There has to be holiness of us, holiness in us, holiness from us. And so we can't earn it by being holy. We can't earn that place of fellowship. At the same time, it's required of us. But man, I, all I can say here is thank God for Jesus. Because listen to Romans 5, 18 and 19. Listen to this. Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. Now that, that don't exclude you. I, I don't, I, listen, you can parse out the Greek all you want. Everyone means everyone. Adam's one sin brings condemnation to everyone. Because of the sin of Adam... All of us are now born in a state of sinful condition and condemnation can come upon all of us. But watch this. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Watch this. Because one person disobeyed God, that's Adam. Many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God being Jesus, many will be made righteous. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The one act of Jesus Christ of obeying the Father and taking on the punishment of our sins on the Christ on the cross because he did that, all of us now are made righteous in Christ Jesus. He got us all right. All who believe in Jesus, he got us all right. All who trust Christ as Savior, he got us all right. We didn't earn it. We didn't inherit it. He got it right. But now if you think that that means you can go live any kind of way because of what Christ done and then not have no consciousness or no desire to live holy unto the one who has made you holy, then you, that's some bad doctrine. That's some bad doctrine. The scripture tells us because of the spirit of God. Matter of fact, let me just, let me let the scripture talk. How about that? It does a better job than me. Watch what Peter said. So you must live life as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. 
So our mind, our heart, the renewal, the spirit of God working in us, our new heart, new attitude, new mind is so grateful and so overwhelmed by the gracious love of God and the goodness of God and the death on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything within us being renewed hearts and renewed minds is I don't want to go back to those old ways. I want to live a life that glorifies this holiness by which I've been brought into. Now, I don't want you to get nervous about this and put yourself through all kind of mental defeat because listen, I'm here to tell you, it, 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 it can be tough. It can be tough. It can be challenging to remain conditionally in a, in a place where God uh, continue uh, to, to, where we continue to walk in fellowship and walk in a place of, of uh, glorifying God in all things. We live in a world that's unholy. We, li- we live among people who are unholy. Isaiah said it best. He says, man, I'm living among people with unclean lips. And Isaiah wasn't counting himself out of that. He, matter of fact, he said, Lord, don't, I, I saw you and now I'm in trouble because I'm unholy. We're exposed to everything that's happening around us. We do our best to try to avoid it. We do our best to, to you know, don't want to see, don't want to hear, don't want to say. I mean, we do our best to do that. But with that, it's a battle every day. It's a battle every day. Am I still talking to the same church? And so this is what Romans chapter 7 says, and I I think most of us probably got this one memorized if we ain't got John 3.16. It says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. But I like the next statement he said, I love God's law with all my heart. I mean, don't you find yourself living there? I love God's word with all my heart. But when, I, when I'm doing my best to try to do what's right, I just find myself doing the wrong thing. And it ain't because I don't love God. And it ain't because I don't love uh, God's word. And it's not because I don't love the church and love the community of the church and the fellowship of the church. It's, it's just because we're, we're still living in the flesh. And it's a battle every day. It, it's a challenge every day. But I got some good news because I, I, I told you the, the spirit helps us. Look, look, look at this verse. This is Titus chapter two. Y'all don't mind if I just read the Bible today, right? We can just read the Bible. It's all right. Titus chapter two, verse number 11 through 14. Listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God has come. Jesus died on the cross for all man's sin. He's bringing salvation because of that. But watch this. This same grace of God that brings us salvation, listen to this. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of a great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let me tell you what Paul is telling Titus here. He's saying, listen, that same grace of God that came and transformed us and renewed us is the same grace that's constantly, daily teaching us. Now, I want you to get this. He's not saying that it's the law teaching us over and over again because the law is designed to bring condemnation and to bring punishment. He says, no, it's the grace of God that's teaching us every day. So when I want to do right and when I do wrong, it ain't the punishment of the law that comes. It's the grace of God that comes that says, okay, you know better. 
better. Let's not do that again. Let's keep going forward. And when I do it again, it's not the law that says, okay, finally, that's it. You're rejected. No, it's the grace that comes and says, okay, you didn't think so well this time. You know better. Let's keep on going. Because why? He's constantly washing us so that he may present us faultless. Can you shout hallelujah? He redeemed us to present us faultless. He redeemed us that we might be his people. He redeemed us that we might do good works for him. But then there's one more great thing about this. It's in Philippians chapter two, verse number 12. Watch this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now watch this. I love this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, this is an amazing passage because, you know, there's some things that we desire to do in our life, but we don't have the power and ability to do it. And there's some things we actually have the ability to do, but we don't have the desire to do, right? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, we have the desire to want to do the right thing unto the Lord. But because of the challenges and the things that's going on in life and what we're facing, the obstacles, we don't always have the ability. Desire to do what's right. Can't overcome this issue, whatever that fight is. Can't seem to get to line up the desire with the ability. So Paul says, listen, I got good news. The same God that gave you the desire to do right is the same God that gives you the ability to do right. So watch this. If I want to do right, then the scripture says God gives me the ability to do right. I never have to be concerned if my desire is right, what's going to happen with the ability. Because the same God that gave me the desire is the same God. I promise you, if you desire to do right, I'm going to give you the ability to do right and live out that salvation. Can you shout hallelujah? And, 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 and there, there's, a, there's a joy in, in living holy. It's just a joy in it. It's a joy. Watch what David said in Psalm 1611. He says, you make the path of life known to me. Complete joy is in your presence. Pleasures are by your side forevermore. There's a joy in being in fellowship. Don't think walking in holiness is just doldrums and boredom and who wants to live that kind of life. There's a joy of being in the presence of the Lord. There's a joy in walking in fellowship and community with him. It's the pleasures of God are forevermore before you when we walk in complete joy and fellowship. And then Romans 14 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but living a life of goodness, check this out, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you, I don't know nobody who don't want no goodness, who don't want no peace and who don't want no joy. And that's what the Spirit of God does for us in this work of creating us and making us new as people that are holy unto the Lord. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up. Team can get ready to come. Hopefully you got something. You all right? You doing all right? Let me just wrap this up. This is a summary. Holiness is necessary. It's it's not an option. It's necessary. Listen to what what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, work at living at peace with everyone 
and work at living a holy life. Catch this. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. It's a necessity. It's a necessity to have to, for us to commit ourselves to the Lord and allow him to work us conditionally so that we line up positionally. But you know, the latter part of that passage we read in 2 Timothy, it says this. It says, so flee youthly passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the name of the Lord from the heart. Flee youthly passions. And, and I, I, I said this statement that there's times when because of the challenges of the world and the things we face, sometimes you, you, you get to a place of maturity where, you know, the devil may throw things at you. Some things that used to be temptations are now just presentations and you just, you, you can just get through it, walk past it, get away from it. it I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really bother you. But there's times you might be in situations where you know your desire is to do right. Paul uses this word flee, and he really means get the heck out of the situation. Get the heck out of the situation. If it's a situation that's not allowing you to live conditionally in the manner that God, then you just got to flee from it. I, I, this was a, a few years ago. I was leaving the, I was leaving my house early in the morning. I was on my way uh, to catch a plane in Phoenix. It, I, I believe it was around four o'clock. It could have been a little bit early, but it was early in the morning. I pulled out on 8E, made the turn onto 24th Street, and I saw a young man that was going to our church that uh, it, it was living at AWC. And he was holding up something, and he was walking on this, walking the street. This was, again, almost 4 in the morning, right around 4 a.m. So when I first passed him, I thought, man, that looked like so-and-so. I looked in the mirror, and I thought, man, I think that's him. So I turned around, and I pulled up next to him, and I said, man, is is everything all right? He said, yeah. Then I noticed he had his Bible in his hand. I said, is everything all right? He said, he said, well, yeah. I said, but do, are you, is something, are you need to, do you need to get somewhere? Is something going on? I mean, it's, it's 4 a.m. He said, pastor, my roommate in the dorm called his girlfriend over and, and they were getting ready to have sex in my, in my dorm. And he said, I, I don't want to be in there. I don't want that affecting my mind. I don't want to affect my spirit. So I just picked up my Bible and thought I'll just walk the streets and pray and read my word because I don't want to be affected by that stuff that's taken away from me. There may be times you got to flee out of situations because of what God is doing in your life. Y'all doing all right? And, and, and can I just tell you this? There, there's going to be times when you might fail, but I want you to understand where you may fall, but falling is not failing. Look at Proverbs 24, 16 and and catch this believer. For the righteous falls seven times and rises up again. The righteous falls seven times and rises up again. Seven here is just a number of completion. Because you may think in your life, say, well, man, shoot, I'm, I'm done. I didn't fail eight times, nine times. I didn't fail a hundred times. No, the, the proverb is simply saying righteous people, they fall. But here's what righteous people do. They get up again. They get up again. They get up again and keep going forward. And here's the, here's the last verse. Everybody can stand if you would. Here's the last thing. We got to believe, in prayer team, you can come. We got to believe the Lord of promise. You, you commit yourself to Jesus Christ. Don't, don't be afraid of, of what it means to be holy or to live in holiness. You trust the work and power of God. The desire that God has put in your heart, it's a good desire and he's going to help you.
the desire he has for you to do what he's called you to do, he's going to do it. And listen to this verse. I'll close with this one. This is Jude 1, 24 and 25. Listen to this. It says, now to him, catch this, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Listen to what this scripture says. It's unto him. He's the God of promise. It's unto him that we give all glory, honor, and praise. Because we will, we will, we will have time that we trip up and don't feel it's like we're doing the right thing and messing up and got to go back before the Lord and allow him. That'll, that'll go on. It's a constant battle. But I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, he made me a promise that he's going to present me faultless. He promised me that I'm going to be faultless. He promised me that the position that I'm in is going to line up with my condition. And the only thing for me to do is to lift up my hands and shout hallelujah and keep going forward in the Lord. Keep going forward in the Lord. If you fall, get back up. Just keep going forward in the Lord. He's responsible to clean you up. He's responsible for your holiness. My desire, my will is lifted up to him that Lord make me a holy vessel. Can you shout hallelujah? Well, Father, I want to thank you for being a God that is so patient with us. You are a God that loves us so much. Lord, we see it with the relationship that you have engaged with us, the goodness that we see. But we also see it, Lord God, in the ultimate sin in your son, Jesus Christ, to take on all of our sins. That every one of us, Lord God, may have an opportunity for this eternal life. It's because of you, Lord God, that the the moment that we trust in Jesus and trusted him for forgiveness of sin and trusted him for his eternal love, it's, it's from that very moment, Lord God, that you have declared us to be righteous and declared us to be sanctified and declared us to be set apart and declared us to be holy. And Lord, it's our desire that we may live conditionally in the manner that you've placed us positionally. And so, Lord, as a, as a body, as a people, we first thank you for what you've done for us. And we also say thank you for what you're continuing to do. Because the blood of Jesus just continues to cleanse us. And we also thank you, Lord God, for the promise of being able to present us faultless. And Lord God, we just ask you, Lord God, that as, as our desire continues to increase in you, that we may continue to expand your power to do what you've given us the ability to do by your strength and by your grace. And Lord, I pray for those that are here today that may not have made that confession of faith yet. Maybe they're, they're hearing some things about you. They're, the Spirit of God is, is working with them. There's some things going on in their heart and their mind that's not like it used to be. And, and, and they know there's some changes coming. They're starting to read the scriptures different. They're starting to hear things different. They're starting to enjoy the fellowship of the people of God. There's some work going on in their life and they haven't quite yet embraced all that. But Lord, I pray that today might be the day that they may surrender and just say, Lord, I give my life to you. Father, you're able to do a great work. You're able to finish the work that you've begun, and I trust you to do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. May the people of God say amen. Now listen, the altars are open today, and you might be one of those ones that we just talked about that that, um, 
you haven't come yet to that place to just make that verbal confession. You haven't made that verbal confession that you're going to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. But you want to do that. You know it's right to do. You know the Spirit of God is pulling you to do it. If, if that's you, then today is the day you can do that. As a matter of fact, I want to, I'm going to ask you for a response in just a moment. But I also want to, I'm going to ask for a response of those of you who, you're in that place conditionally. You know what your position is. You're not doubting what Christ has done. But you know conditionally you, you're, you're struggling. And, and honestly, there's those times in, in your life when you, when you know you should be doing better. And you're just not doing better. But you want to be. You want to do better. I'm going to give an opportunity for you to respond because we're going to join with you and just trust Jesus to do the work. Do you mind if you close your eyes for just one more time? I, I want to talk to you if you're here and you're, you haven't given your life to the Lord. You know who you are. I, 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 without reservation, I'll tell you it's the best decision you can make in your life. Because the God who created you has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he is absolutely intent on that working out. And here's the truth of it is, if God's purposes and plans are intentional in your life, there's only one thing for you to do, and that's come out with your hands up. Because this God is a God who will love you until you surrender. And today is a great day for that. I'm going to count to three. If this is the day you want to give your life to the Lord and trust him for all the days of your life, I'm going to count to three. If that's you, if you lift your hand, I'll see you. And I'm going to pray for you and tell you what you can do next. On the count of three, if you want to surrender your life today, one, two, three, just lift your hand. First time. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. I'm just going to tell you, those of you that raised your hand, you got a couple options. One, I would love for you to come and let somebody up front know that you did that. They're going to pray with you and uh, give you some instructions on what we can do to help you. Another thing you can do also, though, is you can, on that Connect card, you can write your name, uh, contact information, say, today I gave my life to the Lord, and we will contact you and help you go a further step. One last thing. One last thing. Heads, head, heads bow, eyes closed. Listen, I, I just want to just straight up ask you if this message convicted you at all will you just raise your hand all right god bless you thank you for being honest some of you might need to come up and connect with somebody pray with somebody let the lord minister to you the rest of you i'm just going to pray and just ask god to do a great work in all of us father you saw those who responded to this the first time confession of faith and you saw the many lord god who also said this was a convicting message for them Holy Spirit, do a great and amazing work and be glorified in everyone who lifted their hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars are open. If you want prayer for healing, you can come. If you need to be baptized, you can let someone know. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you can come. If you just want to join with someone for whatever need you may have, the altars are open. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal for those of you that need to go. We're going to go into worship. You're, you're free to hang around. Come closer if you just want to worship, but the altars are open. You don't need to leave here without being ministered to for whatever the need is. Lord, be with us as we go from here to our various places. We thank you for doing a great and awesome thing in our life. We thank you for this time together. It's been a great experience. We have encountered the reality and the presence of you. We leave here knowing, Lord God, that your hand will be upon us, that you would watch over us and keep us, and your face will be turned to us. Lord, be glorified in us. We thank you for being gracious. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.